All right, thanks, Carla. I'm just glad you didn't make Jesus look like, um, you know, a member of Led Zeppelin or Alabama like we typically see. If you didn't laugh, it's because you're not as old as me to know who those groups are. So. <laughs> we are in the life of David. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm a little under the weather today, so I have not been avoiding you tonight because uh, I don't want to see you. I'm just, I don't know if I'm contagious. I've just been feeling bad all week and just don't want to pass. I thought it was just allergies to start the week, but I don't know what it is. So don't want to pass it on to you. So uh, I've been decontaminating myself with hand sanitizer as often as I can, trying to do my best to take care of you guys. So uh, if I fall over, Rob's going to jump up here and just take over where I, where I leave off. That's why Rob's in the front seat. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you have your Bibles handy, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. That is in the Old Testament. If you don't know exactly where, that's why you have a table of contents in the front of your Bible. So feel free to use that to find your place there. If you have your phone, you can certainly uh, look it up online. Thank you, Kyle, for doing announcements for us. So as you turn in there, um, let me get us started in a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord, for how you've gifted each one of us here uh, to a calling in life that would bring you glory. Um, Lord, I just thank you so much for the heart that Carla has for you and the, the talents and gifts you've given her to be a blessing um, to the Alamo Stone uh, Church family here, as well as all the other uh, servants that are here um, as a part of our, our local body. So we thank you for the time we're going to have in the Word. Lord, I just pray that if anyone here is in a situation where they're, they're just struggling, uh, especially with someone uh, in authority over them, may it be a, a manager at work, a professor at school, uh, even a parent in the home, whatever it might be, Lord, that, uh, that the Word would especially be encouraging uh, to them. Open our hearts and our minds to, to hear your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, so just by way, we're going to pick up in verse uh, around 14, maybe in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So just by way of quick review, last week we covered the first 13 uh, verses in chapter 16. Uh, some of this, actually Carla mentioned, uh, of all the biographies in the, in the scriptures, David's by far is the most detailed. 140 plus chapters in the scriptures devoted to uh, the life of David, and, and he is the only person in Scripture who is referred to as a, a man after God's own heart. Um, but I just want to remind you that our purpose in studying the life of David is kind of secondarily it is to know and understand David, and primarily it is to know and understand the God of David, who is also our God. So, um, as you might recall, Saul is at present in 1 Samuel 16, the king of Israel. He has uh, just been disobedient and has rejected God, and so Saul has reject. I mean, God has rejected him in return. So Samuel notified Saul that hey, God has a better man already chosen who will be the next king, um, and that turns out to be, of course, David. So last week we met David. He was a shepherd boy, like the least of eight brothers. They don't even bring him in to meet Samuel until uh, Samuel insists. He says, "Look, we're not going to sit down." until you bring him in. And so they bring him in and, and he anoints him to be the next king. So uh, if you weren't here last week, just a, a reminder that from verse 13 until the time David takes the throne, that's a, a time period of 15 years that will go by. So um, God has rejected Saul and anointed uh, David, but that doesn't happen anytime soon as we hop in right here. Okay, so uh, another quick word on verses 14 through 23. This this type of text is what's called a uh, prolepsis. Okay, so it's, 
it's when uh, like a little detail is given about something. Uh, it's like when they, they condense uh, a period of, of time into a short section and it's given as an account. But then uh, those future events will be laid out in more detail. Okay, so what we're going to read in verses uh, 14 through 23 is, is that, a prolepsis. And so we'll, we'll get into more detail of those events as we continue in our study. So like a common example would be uh, the creation account, right? Genesis 1, God created, and in six days, uh, and on the day, sixth day, he created, created man. Then you go to Genesis 2, and the first few verses talk about uh, the seventh day, God rested. But then you get to verse 7, and it says, uh, then the Lord God formed man out of dust of the ground. And then there's more description of what that, uh, what creation of man and woman was like, right? So that's another example. So just want to keep that in the back of your mind as we pick up and uh, get started tonight. So we're actually going to back up one verse in verse 13. I want to reread that and then we'll, we'll pick up in verse 14. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So I want you to do, if you mark in your Bibles, and, and I always encourage you to, is I want you to underline that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Underline that. And then here's verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. So then in verse 14, underline that phrase, now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So 13, the Spirit comes mightily upon David, and 14, the Spirit departs from Saul. So these two men's lives are sort of set on this parallel path, and we're going to follow them along this path. And there's one clear distinction between these two men. One is led by the Spirit of God, and one is not. And we're going to see Saul, who is, of course, the one that the Spirit of the Lord departs from. He, he is going to be a, a jealous, paranoid a uh, rage-filled man led by emotions. And David will be a humble, patient, respectful servant of the Lord. And so uh, hopefully you've underlined those, uh, those two verses. And let me just go ahead and, and give you kind of the theme for tonight, and, and uh, we'll talk about it as we go on. And that's this, that God has a plan, and he has all authority to accomplish his plan. God has a plan for David's life, and he has all authority to accomplish it. He has a plan for my life, for your life, and he will do whatever it takes to make that plan succeed. So if you read verse 14, that second part, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him, that might have conjured up probably a variety of emotions here or thoughts in the church. An evil spirit from the Lord terrorized You might be uh, maybe confused, like, well, how does an evil spirit come from God to go terrorize someone? It might make you anxious or uneasy, the, that very thought. Or maybe it gives you, you know, some assurance and confidence in who God is. So whether this uh, harmful spirit was sent by God directly, whether he was, whether the Lord just turned Saul over, delivered him over to this evil spirit, or whether the Lord merely permitted this evil spirit to torment Saul. There are a couple things in Scripture that are clear. Here's one. First, demons and evil spirits can do nothing unless God allows it. That is straight from the story of Job. There are dark forces, church, that 
roam this earth. You know, it's so easy for us to just get caught up in the physical world that we live in. But we live even more so in a spiritual world. There are spirits, good and evil, that engage with one another and engage with us. But here is the truth. That while the enemy and his you know, minions seek to destroy us, the children of God, they can only go so far as God will allow them to go. And second, that God uses ungodly things, ungodly people and even ungodly spirits to accomplish his will. We see that here in 1 Samuel 16. Remember, God has a plan and all authority to accomplish it, even authority over evil spirits. So that actually brings me great comfort because I know that God is so sovereign over all things. I don't have to understand why he operates the way he does. I just have to have, to have faith and know that I can trust in him. So God here uses an evil spirit to torment Saul. That is God's purpose. At least that's kind of the surface level purpose. But there's a greater purpose, and that is, could be answered by this question. So why does God want to torment Saul? Yes, thank you, Mr. C. He wants to discipline Saul for being disobedient. But here's something you got to know. Just like in the New Testament where the church is instructed to exercise discipline on a wayward family member in the church. The goal is not to like, you know, shame them and, and banish them forever. The goal is to discipline them so they see the error of their ways and come back to the Lord in a spirit of repentance. So that is the Lord's, one of the Lord's purposes in allowing the spirit to torment Saul. Here's the other one. It's to train David. There's going to be a period, like I said, of 15 years from verse 13 until David becomes king. And this spirit that torments Saul, drives him crazy, is going to lead him to try to kill David. He is going to literally hurl spears at David's head. David will have to flee for his life. Now, imagine that you're David, and that's you. Like, you literally see spears coming right at you that you have to dodge, and they, boom, and they hit the wall right behind you. The hard thing for him to believe, if that's, certainly if that's me, would be that that's God's design to prepare me, right? That was God's design to prepare David to be the next king. Because through this, David is going to be taught how to respect the authority of an ungodly ruler. A lesson we all probably could use. We'll talk more about other purposes in the Lord allowing this to happen. Verse 15, Saul's servants then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. So Saul is so kind of off the rails that his servants recognize, okay, there's something supernatural going on here. And so they tell him, hey man, an evil spirit from God is, that, that's what's doing this. So they've diagnosed it correctly. Let's see if they have the right cure. Verse 16, let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is, and by the way, 
uh, oh, we'll get, we'll get to just a minute. Who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. So they diagnose it right. Saul, man, this is a spirit from God that is tormenting you. But what they give him is not a cure. They give him like a, a treatment. So do this and you'll feel better. Let's go, let's go find a heart player. And he'll soothe you. You'll feel better temporarily. When the real cure would be this. So Saul, you need to repent. Ask God for forgiveness. He might not let you remain king like he said. But at least you'll be back in, and be in God's graces and be right with God. But that's not what they tell him. Verse 18, then one of the young men answered and said, and this is like one of the most magnificent descriptions of a person you will ever read. Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech and a handsome man. And the Lord is with him. Like what, if someone described you, not that you would be a, you know, a man of valor, but like, could you imagine someone describing you with this type of just excellence? And of course, the most important trait is the last one, and the Lord is with him. Underline that in the Bible. Again, the author is reinforcing David is with the Lord, Saul is not. And so just a quick note, when evaluating someone whether it's for ministry purposes, like on campus, here in the church, in your dating life, certainly for marriage. You can have a long list of fabulous qualities, but if the Lord is not with them, that disqualifies them. Keep that in mind. By the way, you did notice that there's this time gap, right? I talked about it. This, this set of, of this text is something that's a little different, right? This is, gonna, this is giving a synopsis of, of events that will take place over time. So there's this gap between, time gap between 13 and 14. We know that because in 13, David was just a young shepherd boy. And verse 18, what is he? He is a mighty man of valor. He is a warrior. Okay, so there is that uh, time difference there. So let's close out. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the flock. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul by David his son. Then David came to Saul and attended him, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about, whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. So again, put yourself in David's shoes. You have been anointed to be the next king of Israel. And you get summoned in, once again, by the way, one chapter twice, he gets summoned in from tending the sheep to play the harp for a paranoid, murderous guy who suffers from bouts of depression to insanity and, and everything in between. And, but you are this mighty man of, val of valor, a warrior. You are wise in your speech. And man, you're good looking too. 
And this crazy guy that you are called to serve, he has your job. You read David's description, he's more qualified to be king than Saul is at this time. Some of y'all might be in that same situation. You feel that way. Someone has authority over you and, and you don't see why that is. But remember, God has a plan and all authority to accomplish it. And so here, again, David is being taught how to, how to be under the authority of an ungodly ruler. Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your professor, maybe it's a, a neighbor or a classmate, or, or maybe it's just not even a person who's making your life miserable, but a situation that you're going through. Maybe you're just at a loss for how to deal with it and just get through it and get on the other side. Maybe you're struggling with, why would God allow this to happen to me? Why is this going on? Well, I told you, because God has a plan and all authority to accomplish it. So I'd encourage you to take a step back and see the bigger picture. What has God called you to? And how is what you're going through now a training ground to prepare you for what he has called you to. Because that's what we see going on here with David. Can't stand your boss or your professor. God has you there. It's not by accident. It's intentional. Maybe that person that you are under the authority of, maybe they need to see what a godly person looks like. Whatever your struggle is, I, I can tell you, God is preparing you. One of, the, one of the struggles I've had in life, I don't think I've shared this with you guys. Um, and please don't take offense to this, I'll explain it. But one of my biggest challenges in life was when we moved to San Antonio. We're going to meet this guy named Jonathan in a couple of weeks. I think it's a couple chapters out, two chapters out maybe. David and Jonathan had just the most beautiful friendship you will ever see in the scriptures and if you ever get to have a friend like that i hope you hear when we read it if if not read it on your own but if you ever have just a single friend like that in life like you are just enormously blessed by god but i was blessed like overflowing because god gave me at least four jonathans in my life back when we lived in north carolina i mean guys that we just were very real with each other like we went through everything in life together guys who loved the lord and who wanted to serve god and honor god with their lives and you know we went through you know uh the birth of our children together and having our kids start to at least crawl around together and um man like you know when you just need someone you need to confide in someone and just share your burdens like i've been blessed to have a few of those in my life and then God said, 1,500 miles later, you're in San Antonio, Texas. And I can't tell you how many years my prayer was, Lord, give me a best friend. Like, give me a best friend here. Some of y'all are off at college first year. Like, you might be missing your best friend from high school if they're not in school with you. If not yet, you will. Don't worry. 
And my prayer was just, Lord, get, and, and I just prayed that for years, and God did not provide that answer, at least not the one I was asking for. I just remember telling Plara, I can't tell you how many times. She's probably sick of hearing it. I just want God to just bring me a buddy, you know, someone I could, man, just say, hey, come over and let's turn on the football game, you know, or go hit some golf balls or whatever. But obviously a man who loves the Lord that, you know, we have that spiritual bond. But I look back and you know what God was teaching me through those years? That he was my best friend. Like I needed to be closer to him in that way. I needed to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as my best friend. And that's what those hard, lonely years taught me. And here's what's so cool. God didn't answer it in the way that I was praying at the time. But you know what he did? And I, don't, I, like, I didn't even see it at the time, but you, you, know, you kind of have the hindsight is 20-20. You look back, oh, oh, okay, now God, I get it. Instead of sending me a Jonathan, he sent me a Paul. Like instead of me being David and, and him sending me uh, Jonathan, I was a Timothy and he sent me a Paul, an older, wiser man to just speak, you know, life into me and to listen to me and encourage me and to have the, you know, honestly, the integrity and the courage just to tell me when I was wrong, when I was wrong, you know. So I would just encourage you. There was another time, man, I'll, I'll go on, like another really challenging time of life and I didn't see it, but then I look back, you know, and God gives you that kind of wisdom later, I guess. From the time I was 22-ish, to 28, I never dated anyone seriously. Like, I went on dates. I was involved in a big church with a big singles group and hung out with, you know, folks from the class. We'd go on a date every now and then, you know, but and it, when it wasn't because, like, I didn't want to have a serious girlfriend, I did. Like, I was, my desire was to get married, and that was kind of the problem was that, like, I dated for the purpose of getting married, and once I realized okay, this is not the one, then I didn't want to waste that person's time anymore. And I just kept praying, Lord, like, when are you going to bring me a wife? But you know what I didn't realize at the time? Because, look, y'all have met my wife. Is she not, like, the most amazing woman ever? Had I met her when I was 22 or 23, she would have had nothing to do with me. <laughs> he spent those five or six years preparing me to be the husband for her. I didn't see it at the time. I kept thinking he must be preparing the woman for me, but he was preparing me <laughs> for her. So, uh, I just want to encourage you, like wherever you are in life, whatever your struggle is, I just want you to know, take a step back and, and kind of see that, uh, that bigger picture. Because David, we're gonna, like, he's gonna go through some intense challenges being under the authority of, of Saul. I mean, really to the point of his life will be at risk. And we saw another reason why the Lord sent this evil spirit to terrorize Saul. To bring David closer to the throne. Right? Because it's because this evil spirit is tormenting Saul, his men realize, oh, Saul, this is from God. Tell us to go find a man who can play the harp and come soothe your soul. And so Saul gives the command. They go bring in David. So now you have David being used by God to, uh, to minister to this guy that is undeserving, you know, certainly, but 
he's one step closer to the throne that he will occupy. So the evil spirit, again, as, as strange as that might sound to us, the evil spirit is used by God to bring about his purposes. God has a plan in your life and in mine. And he has all authority under him to accomplish that plan. So if we read that passage, if you struggled in any way with what was happening, I, I hope that it encourages you to not be anxious about, you know, this spirit that tormented Saul, but to be encouraged and to be confident in God who is sovereign over all beings. Because if we take one more big step back, you know what we see? Not only is God working to get David on the throne, but a thousand years later, the son of David will come to earth, live a perfect life, only to be unjustly accused, tried, and nailed to a cross. Because the Messiah has to come from the line of David. He has to be a rightful heir to the throne. So what we see orchestrated here is not just what's happening for David, but what is happening for the gospel to happen. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you, you know, we see God's ultimate plan just in these few verses right here. So if you're here and, and like, you don't know what God's plan for your life is because you don't know God. If you've never surrendered your life to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and you want to, then I invite you to speak to me or Kevin, Kyle, who was on stage, any of the, any of the Alamo Stone family here for sure. And we would love to talk with you and to pray with you um, to make that a reality. So let's pray, church. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you do have a plan and you have all authority under you to accomplish it. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts and, and a faith that does not need to know all the whys in the house, but would just know and trust in you, that you are a good, loving God whose plan is for our good and for your glory. God, as we deal with the difficulties of life, would you help us to walk by faith? knowing that the trials that we encounter are for our good. They are for our refinement. You are training us. You are equipping us for the calling that you've placed upon us. And Lord, just like here in, in chapter 16, as we see how godly music ministers to the soul, God, as we close out, with music. I pray that it would minister to our souls. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.